Welcome to Crumb Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Jessica Higgins. Dr. Jessica Higgins holds two graduate degrees in psychology, two coaching certifications, and has over 20 years of experience helping clients achieve successful results with an integrative and comprehensive blend of psychology and coaching all in one. Jessica is also the host of the Empowered Relationship Podcast. Her podcast helps you turn relationship challenges into opportunities and sets you up for relationship success, satisfaction, and intimacy. Her ultimate goal is to help people acquire the insight, learning, and practice to navigate the terrain of intimacy more effectively. With Jessica's assistance through her online training, free content, and personalized coaching, couples and individuals transform pain and struggle into deep love, connection, and vitality. So today we're talking about criticism. Yes, we know it makes us feel bad, but there's so much more to it. It reduces our sense of safety, connection, and so much more. So to shed light on the topic, I'm having a conversation with Dr. Jessica Higgins. This topic is important because we're always in relationships with others, family members, friends, partners, coworkers, etc. So it's important to know how we're showing up and what we can do with criticism. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I'm with Dr. Jessica Higgins today, and we're talking about criticism. Don't say you never criticized or you've never been criticized. You can all relate to this in some way, shape, or form. So we have the expert coming in to tell us all about it. So welcome, Dr. Jessica. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So this is a really interesting topic because, you know, what, what just came to mind is not only do so many of our relationships involve criticism, but we so often criticize ourselves. And that's, that could be, we could be the worst critics when it comes to self-criticism. So I really want to dive into the whole topic and just, uh, and see where we land. Let's start with how, how is it that criticism affects a relationship? Oh my goodness. That's a really important thing because when we think about criticism, you're right, it's very common. And honestly, I have a lot of people that come and reach out around this topic and they tend to be people that are operating at pretty high levels, need criticism in their line of work, that critical thinking and that ability to evaluate and really critique. And that intellect is serves them and it's been reinforced in many ways. And oftentimes we've experienced it even growing up. I, you know, the level of rigor that some people have been through is enormous and not having necessarily an environment growing up where they felt really like their emotional world has been attuned to. So all that to say, criticism can feel like a normal part of life. And I think in some spheres, it really is. And I just want to acknowledge that we're not looking at how to throw this out completely. But when we look at relationship, by and large, most people do not respond well and are not interested in unsolicited feedback. And what also is really problematic here is it really is someone's attempting to point out something that they're having a hard time with by means of talking about the other person. So if you and I were in relationship in some form or fashion, and I was like, Debbie, and I was saying, you do this thing, and here's what I don't like about that, or I'm having a hard time, you know, that even might be a softer version of criticism. Mm -hmm. You would possibly be on your heels, even with a lot of training and a lot of skill, 
to feel somewhat defensive because it might not really represent what's true for you. It might feel like a mischaracterization or a misunderstanding. And the impulse, the natural impulse is to want to describe or clarify or let me explain. Mm -hmm. And that gets people in this critical defensive cycle that can feel like it's endless. And so when long way to answer your question, this can really whittle away at the safety, at the sense of connection, with the sense of bondedness that there's a safe haven between us and we have each other's back and we see each other and we feel close and we feel that love and that support. Because when we're in that defensive critical place, it's hard to feel that alliance. It's hard to feel that real genuine rapport. And the other thing really problematic about criticism is we're usually protesting, but it doesn't give the person, again, coming back to you and I, if I'm like, Debbie, this and this and this, I don't like this. Why do you do that? What's wrong with that? You would have to be like full on ninja, like triple PhD level to potentially decode that. And even still, I could hide it pretty well. And even though in relationship, we know each other really well, even if we've been together for many, many years, but I can't tell you over and over and over again, when I work with couples, it's like, oh, I had no idea. All I saw was that you were angry or all I saw was that you were distancing. I didn't know that you were scared or I didn't know that you were worried. I wasn't with you or I didn't care about you. And so that underneath, like, you know, my feelings get hurt or I feel sad that you don't want to be with me or that, you know, you don't want to hang out or whatever it is that helps you understand me. And, and typically, I know I'm going on a long-winded kind of monologue here, but the last thing I want to say is these primary emotions bring people close, more mm -hmm. of that vulnerability, right? If I soften and I show you my belly, so to speak, you're likely going to soften to me and lean in versus those secondary emotions, the criticism, the anger, the, the, you know, the accusation, you're likely going to want to pull away or turn away. So it's really, it's not even the, it, with the criticism, it's what's behind the criticism. What's yes. the, you know, what is it that's behind it? Why is that person criticizing? You know, it, it, that's, that's one thing. And it's almost like deciphering what's behind it. And then it's like the, the natural response that you always hear is, well, I'm just trying to help. I'm only trying to, you know, I'm just being honest. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Right. Right. So talk to me about that because it seems like, now here it is. It's like that really hurt. Let's say, you know, someone didn't see that coming at all. They had no idea. Let's say they were doing something or coming across a certain way. And it was truly, even, even if it's just that other person's interpretation, that is so way off. But when they come back, and say, well, that really hurt, or that really affected me, or wow, I, you know, I didn't think I was doing that. The other person, I mean, that's such, that's such a great opportunity for that person to show up so powerfully and with so much support. But that's usually the time that, because I guess the, the recipient of the criticism is feeling attacked. So then the person who's doing the criticism, the criticism is like, hey, I'm just trying to help you. So yeah. walk us through all of that. Yeah, such an important point, right? Because there's a level of authenticity when we're feeling that ouch mm -hmm. and the, we're looking for what's the source of the ouch, right? And we're looking at, you just turned away and you walked away from me, mm -hmm. right? Legitimately, that feels triggering mm -hmm. and that's problematic, mm -hmm. 
right? And then we also, like you just said, can make up an attribution of that or a perception about that. Oh, they're, they don't want to talk about this anymore or they're done or they are rejecting me, whatever we might perceive in that. And the frustration or the anger is absolutely real too. To get to the more vulnerability, there's this deepening and unpacking because the, the trigger is real. The fears or attributions or perceptions are also what's going on in our mind, which is real, mm-hmm. likely based on our past experience, right? And likely based on our meaning making and probably how we grew up and life experience, da, 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 da. And the anger or the frustration or the irritation or the annoyance, that's also real. Mm-hmm. All that to say, this is what's above the line of, of what's often really visible and conscious, mm-hmm. and what's often deeper on the inside, more root, and sometimes unconscious to us, unless we really do some deep excavating. I can tell you, I mean, I teach and practice this all the time and I walk these principles and there are times where I'm like so upset with my husband and that's what feels real, right? Is I'm upset with him. Why is he doing this? I can't, we've Mm -hmm. talked about this or whatever it is and all my story about it, right? I've got this, I have lots of things that I could say that are really clear and have evidence and can really display why it's all really true. And unless I unpack and really get at the underbelly and what's the vulnerability, what is it bringing up in me in the sense of, ah, oh, like I'm scared he doesn't want to work on this with me or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that is the deeper primary emotion. And it's the primary emotions that bring us close. The secondary emotions push us away. Right. And that's where you really can get the work done because, you know, I always try to get into the minds of my listeners and viewers and I can see them saying, holy moly, I've been, this has been our relationship for 30 years. Yeah. It's just, that's the way it is. One of them criticizes, the other one feels attacked. They, you know, yell back or whatever. And that's just the way it is. So how does somebody even identify, this is what they've been doing. It's been getting them nowhere except further apart. Really. It doesn't feel good. They have no idea there's another way through you yes. know, another way to cope, manage, work on this relationship. Like tell, work, act as if here, there's this couple that comes into your office who, no joke, this is this is the way they've been interacting for decades. Yeah. But clearly it's wearing on both of them. What, help, help them. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, I want to answer your question. And I just want to give a couple like pieces mm-hmm. of information. So the impulse to criticize is a protective strategy. We all have protective strategies just as much as we want and need human, human need to feel close, to feel connected and to feel bonded to our significant other. It's a primary, you know, human need just as much. We also need that sense of safety. And when we don't feel safe, we feel threatened. We have the propensity to protect and we have certain strategies that we've developed adaptive strategies that made sense perhaps in certain contexts, but perhaps they're just, we're using these protective strategies to feel safe. Okay. So, and the other thing I want to comment on is typically not always, but most often the person that's engaging in criticism is really fighting for a connection, is protesting 
something around, I'm worried you're not with me, or I'm trying to get you engaged, or there's some kind of active commentary around fighting for connection. So and that, an example would be, let's say like, you're never, you're never around. That's, yes. that's the person's way of saying, I really want you around. Yeah. So, so I'll, the couple that just comes to mind, I was working with last night. So, or yesterday, they have been together for decades. They have three children. She, they're both attorneys and she tends to do a lot. She's the over-functioner mm-hmm. and her husband is very engaged, very loving, and has a hard time with some of her demeanor that can seem critical or angry even. And he tends to get a little on his heels and he is more, usually the person that's kind of shutting down or turning away is trying to preserve the relationship, is not trying to rock the boat, is trying to like not go down this destructive road. And so the the, um, intention is different usually. So So to walk someone through this, I mean, it is a process and helping someone understand, okay, when I'm criticizing, you've been gone, you haven't been here. I've been like heavy lifting with the kids. They've needed all these things and I've done and I've made all these, I've been up all night and I made all, you know, all the list of what's been done. Mm -hmm. And she could talk about what he hasn't done, like pound per pound, right? Like, Mm -hmm. here's what I've done. And then he's feeling potentially inadequate and not good enough. And Mm -hmm. he's not saying that he's just getting a little bit more like distant and kind of on his heels. Right. And that further sense of vacancy is like, no, I'm calling you out so I can feel you with me. Like I need you, Mm -hmm. but she's not saying I need you. Right. So part of the working, helping a couple with this is helping them slow down look at these first attempts, the behaviors, or even their story about it makes sense. It's real. It's a sense of like, we're feeling threatened and there's some protection here. And if we slow it down and understand when I criticize you, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm scared. We're not partners. I feel alone. I worry that you don't care about me or that you don't really even love me. And I'm worried about, I fear of abandonment even. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when she can say that, those kind of primary fears and emotions. That's a very different message than you didn't do. You're not doing more than I need you. And you're, I'm scared you're not with me. That's a very different feeling. And he softens. And And it's really, it's two, it's two different conversations. It's like what the two people are saying, and it really is what's behind all of it. But what happens, what happens if let's say, Yes, she she's saying you're never around. You're not helping. I'm doing all this stuff. And what she's feeling, you know, behind it is, I I I feel like I'm in this alone. I'm overwhelmed. This is too much for me. Now it would be ideal if he hears that and responds beautifully. You know, best case scenario. But what happens if she's she's willing to to go the distance and share the, you know, what's truly behind it and what she's really feeling. And he's like, but he's really not interested. And he's really, he doesn't want to do more because this is, that's, that's a realistic thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so part of what happens in my experience, you can have some real preference and I try to make this safe. And again, stereotypically, and this is true for my husband and I, like, if we're planning a trip, I'm going to do all the research and due diligence. And I, 
you know, again, pound for pound, it might feel like I'm doing way, way more than he would if, but our skill set's different, our approach mm-hmm. is different. That's across the board, right? So really making it okay that these stylistic differences that are probably going to always exist, they're not really ever going to change. Mm-hmm. That conflict starts to feel very, very different when we have that deeper understanding of like you matter and I need you. And, you know, again, in this couple, his fear is I'm not good enough. You don't really want to be married to me. I, cause you know, sometimes they, in their worst moments, she'll threaten, like, I don't know why we're married. We're not good for each other. All these irreconcilable things. And so he feels often like not good enough and not significant and that he can't influence her and it doesn't really matter. So if in this instance, he's saying, I don't really want to, and we've actually had this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? And he doesn't actually say that outright. Like his Mm -hmm. style is very much so, let's say, trip, right? So they have three kids and she, if she were kind of doing the day excursion, she would pack lunches, sunscreen, water, towels, like all of it, like have everything dialed in for him. If we need it, we'll get it. Like, it's kind of like, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Like I got it. Like it's all good. Right. And so you could see how that could be very conflictual. And if they feel like they're with each other and they have each other's back. And so if she's saying, I get your style has value not my style. And I get that you want to feel that you're good enough. And like, cause again, want to remind us that the criticism is less about, I don't like your way Mm -hmm. and more about, I'm afraid I'm alone in this and you're not with me and we, you don't have my back. Okay. So that really involves trust. It's like, I trust you, you, you have your own skill sets and, and that's such beautiful balance with my skill sets that, but I'm going to, I want to take us down a different road right now because sure, this sure. is from betrayal to breakthrough. And so there's yeah. betrayal involved, yes. uh, self-betrayal, betrayal, yes. of family member, partner, friend, coworker, self, whatever. But let's take now the couple where let's take typical scenario that I hear every single day. He's, let's say he had an affair and he's not owning it, taking responsibility and he's blaming her and critical of, well, you don't look good. You don't, you're not there in the way I need. You're not this enough, that enough, whatever. And maybe not even, maybe saying some of those things. And then she's taking that on and expanding it that much more. I'm, I, I'm really not that the worthy, deserving, beautiful, desirable, whatever. Mm-hmm. So here the criticism is so painful, so painful. Help us out here. What do we do with this? Okay, so are you asking, is this a couple that is trying to implement self-help or is this a couple that's getting support? Help me with what. Yeah, let's, let's say, because it's so real. It's so real. So let's just say this is, this is a scenario. And, and because of that, this, this woman, let's say is like, I need some help. I I haven't yet discovered, you know, that there are true solutions through this. So yeah. I'm going to tune into the From Betrayal to Breakthrough okay, podcast. Gotcha, gotcha. We're right here, right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What do okay. I do? Right now, right here, I'm tuning in. Help me. This yes. feels awful. What do I, yeah, give me some support. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of moving parts here in the mm-hmm. sense of there's a major betrayal 
and a breach of trust, as you're talking about with an affair. And typically people who engage in affairs there are, there are dynamics at play that precede that, and that's not to justify or condone the behavior whatsoever. And it's context that does matter in the sense of when we're talking about real connection, where we've gotten off track as a couple. You're also talking really significantly about someone who has a pattern or has a tendency to abandon self, to please, to accommodate, and again, probably, again, we're talking very assumptively here with the hope and the wish that if I hit all the marks, then I will earn the love or I'll earn the security or I'll earn. And so out of the gate, I wouldn't actually like address that. So again, I'm reminding myself, it's less about how I work with couples, Mm -hmm. but what I would say right now with someone listening is I just want to support the idea that this is again, protest and they're probably both protesting or some distancing in some regard, but there's a cycle at play that's very, very problematic. Mm -hmm. So if she comes and she's like, this hurts so much, I'm so pained by this affair, I don't know what to do. And then he comes back with all of these criticisms and complaints, Mm -hmm. right? Like you said, not taking ownership and probably being somewhat defensive or uh redirecting and deflecting right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's really painful and there's not a safe space and i would disengage from that because it's just a very problematic cycle that is painful and if you're saying who's listening the woman or the man or i mean the woman okay the woman okay so, and obviously we're talking about heterosexual relationship. In this and, and, and listen, betrayal happens in, in, you know, it's just as much the man, the woman, same sex couples that has very little to do with it. I'm just giving you just a typical scenario I see in a day. Yeah. Okay. So if the female spouse or the wife in this context is noticing he's not responding to my pain around this affair and he's not engaging with me, right? And I don't know what to do, I'm at a loss, right? I would ask for help. I would definitely not try to manage my own, if it were me, I would not try to manage my own stability and and health while trying to assist our relationship and marriage into some constructive conversation. I would definitely ask for help from a professional that can help guide this because he might be feeling so guilty and so much shame, or he might even be perceiving attack, right? And it's just a highly threatening mm-hmm. topic. Mm-hmm. And when we have our physiological state and that kind of fight or flight, right, we tend to perceive even neutral cues as negative. So it's already fraught. And then however long they've been together and they have past experiences, right. there's so much that's loaded here. And so yeah, my, yeah, was, my, my yeah. one, if I can just say is- sure trying to get safety because if there's not a safe container or a safe ground it's really it's really difficult for people to let their guard down let their walls down and have a real conversation that allows for healing and process and really looking at the pain and how do we do this differently and maybe one person's already out and they're just not saying it that's mm-hmm. also real and yeah that's a really 
painful, but I'd rather people deal with that than go through the cycle that's continually adding more trauma on top of trauma. Right. So let's just take the criticism though. What does she tell herself? So she stops personalizing this and she stops then taking it on herself. What would be something that she could, like I, I say to, to members of the PBT Institute, you know, even though it happened to you, it's not about you. Like this is someone else's issue that's completely, yeah. you know, you're just the recipient of the pain here, but it's, it's their thing. But if they've been told certain things and then they start telling themselves these things and criticizing themselves, how can they stop? Is there something else they should, should say instead? Or how do, they, how do they just not have it hurt so much, the, the, those words? The absorbing and yeah. being on the receiving end. Yeah, and to be clear, most of the people who read, I would say 99% of the people that reach out to me around criticism are the people that are the criticizer. Mm. And it's, it's equally problematic for the person that's on the receiving end. I just, typically that person's not reaching out. And I couldn't agree with you more that even affairs, <clears throat> these the ways in which people behave are about the other person. Yeah. They're not a reflection and evaluation on someone's worth or how lovable they are or how beautiful or smart or any of that sense of um, how we would deem someone's merit. It's not, I've never, I don't see that. And even if that's the game, like I wouldn't like, I wouldn't, I'd recommend against that game. It sounds very abusive, honestly, that we have to meet all these marks to be lovable or feel, um, yeah, valued. So what would I say to someone? I mean, I would really look at, okay, this cycle is incredibly destructive, this criticism, the sense of whatever we're doing and trying to like just notice, mm -hmm. that is incredibly damaging to our relationship and to myself and probably to my significant other, mm -hmm. right? So just trying to step away from that dynamic. And <clears throat> as far as the absorbing, I mean, that's gonna hurt, right? And being able to say, and going back, cause that just echoes what I was saying earlier, that most of the time when somebody's criticizing and this is one of the big, big keys mm -hmm. is they don't, they're not in either. They don't have the capacity or they are too scared or whatever. They don't actually know how or feel safe enough to ask for what they're needing or really bring, like in this case, I long to feel our closeness and to feel us being connected and feel our physicality and our sexuality and our, our your openness when you respond to me. Like, like, like I, my heart breaks that we lost that 10 years ago or, mm -hmm. and I didn't handle it well, right? Like, or, you know, whatever the story is that that criticism is the surface. It's, it's the very distorted way of trying to ask for it's, it's a un, like an unskillful way of, of protesting or really asking for something. And there's no way that I would never ask anybody to decode that. That's the, that's the partner's responsibility that's criticizing to really turn that into a request. And I have a whole thing to support that. But um, so I think those things can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Just the cycle is incredibly problematic yeah. that that criticism is likely a protest. It's more about them trying. It's an attempt, an unskillful attempt of trying to get a need met. Yeah. And yeah. that 
the, the third thing I would just say is that if there is this propensity to absorb, right, or needing to be all things to all people, mm. right, I would, there could be an invitation to look at what's my participation in this dynamic, like what draws me into this pattern where I feel like I need to do and be the people or the everything and the perfect, right? right? There's something in that for me, maybe to look at and less about blaming a victim who's felt, you know, violated in the sense of betrayal, but more of just how am I, how am I showing up and what, what's my, my participation in this? Always a good idea. So what, what, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Yeah, I, I think I just said it, which is there's a unmet need and a longing underneath the, the criticism and also in these dynamics on both sides, right? Whatever the behavior of turning away or trying to attack. And that if we can access those longings, those unmet needs, that's where a real conversation starts to happen. And we can do that work individually. And, you know, I have this guide that offers clear examples around, because I, I mean, even just in very subtle ways that don't even appear that hurtful and that like, you know, egregiously critical, mm -hmm. that it's still the tendency to point out other things in, in what the other person's doing and then how to turn that into a request, right? With a real contrast, the side by side. So it is a, it is a flexing and a practicing of this muscle of, of really, I mean, most the average American, I don't think speaks in these terms. I mean, this is why I think so many people resonate with Brene Brown's work and the vulnerability yeah. because we're showing the insides that we don't typically show people. It's like that right. iceberg analogy. We typically show what's above the line and yeah. not what's below. So with the people that matter the most, I'm not suggesting doing this with everyone on the street, but the our inner circle that there's an unmet need, a longing, and if we can mm -hmm. access that, even individually, right? Yeah. Even if our partner, we're not even in dialogue, to have that sense of like, I can't tell you, Debbie, how many times, like I said, I've been like infuriated with my husband about something. Mm -hmm. um, like for example, so we play beach volleyball. We live in Santa Barbara, California. And I would say this was years ago, but we would play, I typically play women's, he plays men's. And when we play co-ed, he's highly competitive, grew up playing football. So he's kind of got that training of that like hard, like, mm -hmm. you know, go, go at it type of thing. And he can, in my opinion, feel very um, angry or even sometimes rude or sometimes one time he kicked the ball and it was like, everybody's like, Ooh, like he threw his water bottle down there. And, like, right. and I am like taking offense. I'm embarrassed. And of course, Legitimately, I can have, again, it's authentic that I can feel uh, offended or have issue with his behavior. Mm -hmm. And we could go round and round. He could say, well, it's the only place I can really let my steam out or you know, whatever. Right, right, right. You know, he could get defensive. But if I really journal about, okay, what is this? There's a deeper feeling around like, I get freaked out. Like I start closing down and I can't play or I have a hard time playing. I don't feel comfortable. I don't right. feel safe. If I'm worried he's angry or angry at me, like, oh, yeah, that's the underbelly. And that, even just for myself, without even talking to him, I can say, okay, I need to feel safe. Like the unmet need of feeling safe when I play, I mean, volleyball is a silly example, but. No, but I hear you. And it's really a, a just, I'm imagining, could you imagine what, what kind of closeness we would have and the, the depth of relationships if we all had conversations, not just that outward stuff, what's read behind it, 
it would just change the game completely. So where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do? Oh, yeah. So I believe I sent a link to you for your people. If people want to access, it's a download. It's a free guide. It's a shifting criticism into connected communication. And that's the thing I referenced. It's a side-by-side -side comparison of what a critical statement might sound like and what, and what the situation is. Real direct, clear examples mm -hmm. of language and then what it would sound like if it was more of this underbelly type of thing. Beautiful. And my website, I do have a podcast, which you've already been on. Thank you. Empowered relationship. Yeah, so Empowered Relationship. You can find that on all the players. And my website, drjessicahiggins.com. That's doctor with a D-R. Uh, Dr. Jessica, thank you so much. I, I know this is the kind of episode where people are going to walk away saying, okay, you know what? It's time to take a look at, at uh, the meaning I'm making out of the words I'm hearing and what would, what would our relationship look like if I said what was really on my mind instead of criticizing. So I, I think you gave us a lot to think about, a lot of insights, a lot of wisdom. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to spend this time with you. I learned a lot from that episode, hope you did too, starting with how essential it is to decode what's behind the criticism so we don't take it personally. Stay in touch with Dr. Jessica by going to drjessicahiggins.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway, take the time to decode one, what we make something someone says to mean about us, two, Understand that the impulse to criticize is a protective strategy and that it's a distorted way of protecting ourselves or asking for something. But when we know that, we can look under the hood and see what's really going on. Of course, doing all of this alone can be hard, and that's why we have the perfect community to help you get your job done. Be sure to check out the PBT Institute membership community. We have everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts, teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I'm so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.